You are now tuned in to The Gifted Gab. Took us a while to get set up, <laughs> but we're here. Another episode of 1K Convos. I feel like it's been a long time. Mm-hmm. Uh, a long time coming. Mm. And I'm here with a special, special guest. <laughs> Robert Tyndale, my man. What's up? Just Bobby T. <laughs> How you doing, man? What's up? I'm doing good. I'm, ec- I'm excited for this conversation. Mm-hmm. I think we, we had a, our little quick little phone chat was like empowering. Got Very. me pumped. <laughs> so I was super stoked to kind of finally sit down in this podcast. And, you know, I've been a fan of the work that you're doing and the conversations you're having. And so likewise, man. I'm happy to sit in the chair. <laughs> welcome, welcome, man. It's been a long time coming. You know, it's good to finally get you in here. Mm-hmm. And you, you, you're doing a lot, you know, we were just talking about kind of some of the projects you're working on. Yes. It's all exciting. Like, talk to me about what that, that process has been like. Yeah. So, um, quick little backstory. Um, at an early age, about when I was, uh, about 16, fell in love with this whole like technology world times two. And what got me into this kind of space and place was actually video games. Mm-hmm. Started playing a lot of computer games. Um, in particular, like competing online, joining teams. And then I got to a point where a group of friends of mine said, hey, do you want to go to this tournament? And I was like, tournament? You want me to come to a tournament to play video games? Are you serious? But did it. It opened up like, so imagine this, right? You get into this space. And it's at this, what you call a LAN party, where there's literally rows of thousands of computers back and forth Mm -hmm. with people propped in front of them. And then I played in this tournament, long story short, got second place, got all this computer gear worth thousands of dollars that I then sold. And I was like, wait a minute. I can play video games and get paid? This is way before esports was a thing. Is way before esports. Esports wasn't even a word. That wasn't even a thing. <laughs> <laughs> so then, like, long story short, um, started playing video games professionally. Got a chance to like get sponsored by a team. Traveled the world playing video games. Went to like Monza, Italy, Paris. Uh, been to South Korea twice, up and down the mm-hmm. states, all across Canada, all because of this thing through esports. Mm-hmm. And during that experience, I saw video game players develop these brands become the brands and then start the process of like building products, building services all in the back of this thing of esports, And it was amazing. It was crazy. I didn't understand why everyone was able to do this and how literally gamers today were becoming, to be honest, million dollar businesses, thousand dollar, you know, entities. And so I fell in love with it. I fell in the love of the concept of this content creation, I fell in the con lo- fell in love with the idea of like building brands mm-hmm. And I was hooked ever since. What was your game of choice? <laughs> so it was called Counter Strike. Oh come on, Counter Strike bet. CS yeah. man. <laughs> yes, that, there you go. Yeah. yeah, I remember those days. So, so yeah, <laughs> so that that had to be hooked um, because it was just interesting to see a subculture grow out of that, which is what you just said: esports, electronic sports. And then, like, look at it now. Like, I regret getting out of it. <laughs> <laughs> it's crazy. They give us scholarships and stuff now for oh. it. So a good friend of mine is building out a program for um, NorthQuest all around eSports. And it's, it's, it's gone to the next level where NHL teams, uh, NFL teams are buying these eSports leagues, buying these eSports teams and acquiring them because that's the next, like, it's, 
it's the biggest platform when you look at national sports. So if you combined NFL, NHL, the NBA, all the major sporting leagues, they don't even come close to where esports is in terms of audience. Really? Not even close. It's interesting because there's, if you think about it, there's a pretty, you know, low barrier of entry for video games. I mean, if you have a PlayStation or Xbox, <laughs> you're in. You One, know? 100%. <laughs> it just matters how much time you're putting into to playing the game, whereas... You know, obviously, if you want to play basketball, you need a hoop and a, and, a, and, a, and a ball, which is like a ball is easy to get. Yeah. But sometimes a hoop is hard to find. Right? <laughs> totally. And, but like most, I think, you know, we think about kids nowadays and technology and how it's kind of taken over. You know, we've seen like Fortnite was a big thing. Mm-hmm. Right. A, a, a gigantic thing. Because mm-hmm. a lot of people, you know, when, when we talk about things like Fortnite, um, the one thing that always is, is phenomenal is like the, the ecosystem that was created in Fortnite where people were spending so much money on skins mm-hmm. and we're talking millions of dollars, like, you know, the economy of what mm-hmm. they're building off of nothingness, yeah, kind free of. Free game. Yeah, game it's a free, free. yeah, 100%. And so when you think about the scale of sort of those things and now you think about like business opportunities, you know, you think about sort of the business case around nfts mm-hmm. um all of that is kind of modeled after fortnite, a lot of yeah. esports fortnite and these other platforms which is just phenomenal because it just shows there's opportunity today absolutely depending on whatever you want to do all through technology mm-hmm. I, I was thinking about kind of how we're talking about like the metaverse nfts and things I'm like yo, they were kind of this was kind of the thing with fortnite in the beginning you know mm-hmm. i think it was travis scott was one of the first guys who did a concert did you see the concert i didn't see it so um i so i don't play i don't play fortnite but i was like let me check this out so i youtube it right it was amazing (laughs) (laughs) if you can imagine like so what they did to kind of like dramatize it is like your characters are like a certain height and size and they built like a like a huge gigantic like gigantic like concert hall with a gigantic um Travis Scott I see and that, then yeah. and then like the way it was brought in between this asteroid and then you fly to all the different it was just in, it was crazy and that partnership that he did around that was such a smart move I think like yeah. like he I would love to know sort of the economics that he has now sort of gained from that, from followers, from building an audience, from bridging that gap with such an epic gaming company. And then also, like, who can say that? <laughs> They've yeah. done a concert at that stage. Virtually. <laughs> a virtual one. At, totally. At I think his, when we think, talk about Travis Scott, I, I don't think we talk a lot about his business acumen because, you know, he's got the partnership with Nike, mm-hmm. obviously Fortnite. Obviously, we've seen what he's been able to do with Astroworld mm-hmm. down in Houston and stuff. So it's really interesting to see how kind of technology is enabling, you know, Guys that got in here with one lane, able mm-hmm. to, okay, here's three lanes, here's six lanes now. 100%. Because I think it, it, it's like a tribulation around how important brand is today. And so, like, let's, like, even to dial this back down to, like, the regular people, you know. Your brand is everything to the point that even, too, if you're looking for a certain job, you're looking to get into a certain organization, you're, you're looking to join a certain club of some sorts, mm-hmm. your personal brand is everything. And the more you can start to design it, control it, um, build out elements that represent you within that space, watch how you're successful. Because let's say you're going for a job application. You have three candidates, all university educated, all the same credentials. They're going to go with the person who has the more added value, the more, yes, experience, Perceived but value. 100%. Mm-hmm. And 
perception is 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 really the key to unlock there. And the more that you can showcase and tell stories or share through the content more about your personality, then you can get a better fit to that position, job, role, whatever you're trying to accomplish. And so I have personally um, focused on building my brand and trying to maintain it and do different things just to stand out from the crowd. Mm-hmm. I think we, I always say that your your business is based on perception, right? Mm-hmm. Whether you're a retail store, whether you're an internet business, agency, production company, whatever it is, perception is everything because like you said, that resume, those mm-hmm. credentials are the same. Mm-hmm. What are you gonna, what, what makes you stand out? 100%. Because we do business with people we relate to, that we like, and that we know. And so sometimes we forget, I think, it, like the reason why. So here's a, here's a prime example. Um, I've been able to like, secure a few different clients. And I ask them and whenever I do sort of a, a quick little um, exit from when a project's done of like a little interview. And I ask them, hey, so like, why did you choose me? And they're like, well, I know you. Mm-hmm. Is the majority of the time that I get out of that, or I've seen your work, or you got recommended from this person, and those recommendations come from people's perception of it being good or bad. Mm-hmm. And so I, I think, again, we underestimate the value of our brand. We underestimate how much when we start to share certain contents, share certain posts, that is actually a reflection of us, and people can interpret that or reverse engineer it to say, okay, cool. Well, clearly you have these values based on all the stuff they're usually sharing. Mm-hmm. And people want to work with people that are, are on the same frequency as them. You know? oh. So, <laughs> and, and like the, the reason why, I, okay, so my first business clothing store called Room 322 was located downtown Edmonton. And my thought with me and my other business partners was like, hey, cool, I get it. Open up a store, go find the brands that you like, have enough money to buy the clothes you want, go do it. Mm-hmm. It is nothing like that. (laughs) What it comes down to is they want to know who you are, what brands you have in your in your like selection company. Again, who are you? (laughs) What's your value proposition? And and also, do I like you? If you if you are a stranger and they don't like you, no brand will work with you because they don't trust you. They don't know how you're gonna merchandise this stuff. They don't know how you're gonna reflect on them. They don't know how you're gonna tell stories around the brands or not, or even if you are cut from that cloth. So, so much comes down to who you are versus, you know, what you're selling. 100%. Or even too, if you have the dollars. Because mm-hmm. in a world that you're like, like take a prime example, Mike, Nike, then leads to like the Jordan counts and stuff like that. They don't even show up at trade shows. They're like, we're Nike. Why, why, would, why, would, why would we go why to a trade we, show? Are you kidding me? Everyone wants us in their store. Mm-hmm. And everyone wants these exclusive drops in accounts. So how do you get to them? Is you have to go through, and the way we got to them was through just a series of um, relationships, mm-hmm. asking people who's that contact. And then once when they came in, we started showing them, presenting what our story is, what's our roadmap, what we plan to do, and how we sit differently onto like, our own separate space in comparison to everywhere else. Mm-hmm. So whether that's we're not in a major mall, your brand's not on the streets, et cetera, et cetera, all that comes to play. The competitive edge, right? 100%. That's, that's, that's really big, actually. I, I even think about how you know, certain companies can get those certain drops. Because Nike is, has done something over the pandemic where they pulled their retail stores mm-hmm. and they pulled a lot of their drops out of... Uh, physical stores mm-hmm. right so it's actually getting harder mm-hmm. 
to work with brands like that to get those exclusive drops. 100%. And and those are what feed boutiques and smaller businesses, right? And and there's because of technology, because of we're all on the internet, to your point, brands are now seeing that value even more that they're trying to hold on to that and control that culture, control mm-hmm. those drops because yes, like Let's be honest. Nike's not worried about dollars and cents and selling product. What they're worried about is how do we build lifestyle and brand. And the only way to do that is through these exclusivity drops and is really kind of trying to dial in that culture. Because mm-hmm. a lot of those major companies, again, like Coca-Cola, Pepsi, Nike, you, like, you know, those iconic brands, they're building culture, not brand. Absolutely. You know? It's building that, like you said, you said lifestyle, mm-hmm. right? I think when we wrap our head around the fact that you know, Apple doesn't sell tech; they sell <laughs> status. You know, 100%. like Nike sells like that. <laughs> just do it. You know, that's totally. the greatest slogan in the world. Totally. You know what I mean? So I think we have to start to recognize the importance of branding. You know, and I see a lot of small businesses. You know, obviously I'm a small business owner myself, and mm-hmm. I see like one of the first things we're thinking about is like, what's the brand? What is the perception? Mm-hmm. What are people gonna think when they're coming in buying a rug or coming in buying hair products? Mm-hmm. This is important because. That is that first impression. 100%. How important is that? And and I think, you know, it, it's, it's kind of everything. And more importantly, where I think a lot of people where I remember when I was, you know, on this journey, I would always get tripped up on, is I would always be trying to sometimes emulate other people's brands or perceptions or identities almost without truly kind of evaluating my own. And what that led to is sometimes is disconnected being like artificial or being burnt out because you're always putting on this hat, putting on this role. And again, the one thing I've started to realize more and more um, is how you need to lean more into Into yourself. And the more you lean into yourself and celebrate that um, and also just acknowledge it by just being you, suddenly it's no longer work Mm -hmm. to kind of put on, you know, your hat, you know, put on your shoes. And more importantly, people, your audience, will start to resonate more with you because they feel like that authentic, like that authenticity. And I think people can really see that. Oh, people have bullshit detectors. 100%. You know, they can see when someone's being um, fake or, or, or putting up a front or whatever it is. 100%. And I think that, you know, just to, to, to comment on leaning into yourself is something I think, for me personally, the pandemic helped me kind of lean more into mm-hmm. who I am and kind of, you know, exude that in those brands and everything that I'm doing. Mm-hmm. Because I think uh, it was the other day, someone was like, yo, man, you do a lot of things, but it seems so organic. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, because it's, uh, it's they're literally just extensions of 100%. myself. You know, and that's what makes it so easy. It doesn't feel like juggling. It doesn't feel like work because everything is leaning into who I am as a person you know totally. about the collective it's like that's you know, my heritage you know Persian rugs that's where I'm from I'm selling rugs I'm mm-hmm. selling my country's products right yeah you know hair products you know what I mean like everything is kind of this just an extension of who I am and that's what makes it so easy you totally know, how do you, how do you what do you think is the, the steps necessary for people to kind of step into themselves in order to build their brands and, and like whatnot. I'm a fanatic about personal reflection and like personal reflection can look a number of different ways. But the way I do it is I do traditionally like almost like a journal. <laughs> I do a daily journal where I recap and ask myself some key questions around sort of a, acknowledging my wins um, to pinpointing one thing in my day that I've learned that is different. That's interesting. 
And number three, I also reflect on sort of what I did not accomplish so that it maps to then what I do on a weekly basis, a little recap. And then on a monthly basis, I do a recap of the month. Mm-hmm. And what that has done is I've realized and learned stuff I never knew about myself, such as what kind of gets me going in respect to recharges me and what do I hate and what do I truly like demotivates me to kind of get work done or things done. So I think some of the most things like we, it's funny, we spend so much time with like our jobs, with our work, with our significant others and things like that, but we spend sometimes the least amount of time on ourselves. And I can tell you like there's so much value in learning more about yourself. And one of the best ways of also doing that is that there's so much books out there that you could just literally are targeting around asking yourself questions. And then by going through the process of learning about yourself, by asking yourself questions and really jotting it down and writing it, you'll begin to kind of connect certain dots that to your point, you start to realize that, okay, cool. Instead of me starting this random business, doing this random thing, now if I start to lean into my heritage, into my culture, then I'll inherently start to have a certain nuance around it mm-hmm. because, hey, this is me. This is my culture. Mm-hmm. When I pick a project, I'll know to say no to these projects and yes to these ones because this is what I care about and this is part of the system. And so, again, if you start to learn more about yourself, then you'll be able to make better decisions that is for yourself Absolutely. where at times we sometimes just take advantage of the opportunities because what happens when you have like 10 opportunities and all 10 are great opportunities? How do you choose? Mm-hmm. Good question. You have to have a filter, right? I think, you know, what you said about the reading those books, because you know, mm-hmm. I've read hundreds of self-help and business books and stuff like that, and mm-hmm. I, I start to find that, like, these questions are the same. Mm-hmm. The, the topics are really similar, and they always come back to the same points. Mm-hmm. So the point of the book is not just to read it, it's to reflect mm-hmm. after reading or while you're reading it, right? And you start a- asking yourself questions. Oh, okay. What do I really like? What do I really enjoy? What what really gets me going, right? Totally. You start to talk, you start to ask yourself these questions and you start to carve out this self-awareness, this yep. this 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 I don't want to say ego. I think we get we give ego uh, like a very negative connotation, but you yeah. carve out this this person that of yourself. Totally. Right? Yeah. And 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 to a point, I think ego, you're right, it has a negative connotation, but ego is powerful. Ego is 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 you. It's it's your essence. It's your Sure, for lack of better words, could be your soul almost. And the question becomes is with your ego, what is accompanying around it that makes you you or ultimately potentially what is sort of components of your ego that makes you have that unfair advantage? So part of my unfair advantage has been sort of my knowledge and experience of uh, building content from a technology standpoint. I just love it. I nerd out about it. I read books for fun around it. I talk on forums. I'm always digesting learning it. But there's other aspects that I hate. I hate accounting. I hate numbers. I hate sort of that business management side of things, of administration. So now that I'm conscious and aware of something I really love and what I really hate, I know what to outsource in terms of pushing off and selling and I'm sorry, buying some of the services around, and I know what I need to hold on to in-house because it's important to me. It recharges me. It powers me. Mm-hmm. It makes me want to keep going. It doesn't feel like work. 100%. It's not work. Yeah, well, it's not working. <laughs> so, so, like, there's that's, like, I guess, like, the yin and yang to the pursuit, to your point, of sort of reading some of those self-help books is to truly start the process of just learning more about yourself. And 
to your point, I, I read a ton of them. I'm constantly digesting them. And I, I, I feel, which is really interesting, you said, end of the day, it's all about just self-reflection, mm-hmm. bottom line. Bottom line, yeah. And that's and that and that in itself, I think, is the value of the book. And it's yes, there's some new insights and some new things, but then those things are out the door the next day mm-hmm. because the world's moving so fast. And so I'm always kind of pushing people: you need to start to self-reflect in whatever ways that you want to do it. Um, whether it's acknowledgement of the work you're doing, you just taking a step back and pausing, or you saying like, "Hey, I did some good stuff today, so I'm going to reward myself." You know, we don't take the time to reflect. Reflection is important, man. I think mm-hmm. that it, it's a key to like self-awareness. And then mm-hmm. it's like once you're self-aware, everything like moving forward. I, I always say that it's really hard to move forward if you have no direction. Hundred percent. You know, because what is forward? What is forward? Exactly. <laughs> what is forward? Hundred percent. You know what I mean? If there's no direction, then forward could be lateral. You know, <laughs> it, it, like so. I think that you know that picture, that destination, wherever you're trying to go. It must be clear and to- totally. You need to self-reflect and have that self-talk. Hundred percent. And like a, a good uh, an example that I have around that is like, so I have a production company called Virgin Media, mm-hmm. and from the beginning, I said I will never touch a wedding, ever. Like event <laughs> activity, never. I will not. I'm staying away from weddings. I will not build a business. I won't do it. I don't care how much money you want. Nope, 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 nope. And the reason why is I just don't want to be in that. Tension. I don't want to be in that space. There, there's so much drama. <laughs> exactly, <laughs> drama. There's there's so much stuff around it. Even though that is a big, clearly booming like space where people are only wedding photographers or videographers or things like that. And just out of my own creative output, I didn't want to just do that space. I preferred the other space of like creating more storytelling, cinematic um, type of um, content versus weddings. Mm-hmm. So. I think if I was not self-aware, I might, because that dollar amount was here, because my bills were stacking up, I would have taken on a wedding project. But I was like, no, I'm, I, like, there's a reason why I'm not doing this. I don't want the workflow or even to the process in going down that rabbit hole. And so I decided to kind of stick in my lane. And by doubling down in my own lane, I'm hopefully slowly becoming an expert in that mm-hmm. space so that then people know, okay, cool. When you need someone around this project, Cool. I'll go to Bobby. Exactly. I know. I know. This is the perfect spot for him around this. Mm-hmm. And it's interesting you say that because that space is saturated, right? It's like once again, how are you going to separate yourself <laughs> in a space like that? It's mm-hmm. crazy that you say that you know you have your production company because I just recently started my own production company with nope. everything going on, and we're going to talk about uh, <laughs> story half and stuff too. But yeah. you know, with everything going on, it's like okay, I'm starting this production company, yeah. right? And what was clear cut for me was that I know exactly what kind of projects I want to do. It's that simple. I know exactly what I want to get out there. Yeah. It's just a matter of how am I going to do each one step by step, right? And it's like having the destination in mind or the goal or whatever that having that, when you have that clear cut, what you're saying about you're saying no to wedding photography, Mm -hmm. that's a result of knowing where you're trying to take this thing. 100%. You know, if you're like, this is where I'm trying to go, those 10 opportunities can come in front of you mm-hmm. and you're like, nope, this doesn't work. This doesn't work. This doesn't work. This doesn't work. Why? Because it doesn't lead to that, that yep. final destination. Right. So I think that, you know, when we're talking about self-reflection and, 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 and awareness and stuff like that, you know, when you start to have those conversations with yourself, you're able to say, this is where I'm trying to take this. 
So when this opportunity comes and it's got this big price tag on it, yep. you're like, mm, nope, this doesn't align with my roadmap. Totally. This, this is taking me off course. This is a detour. 100%. And it makes it much easier to make those decisions in between. And I, I, I'm, I'm really big on, you know, the great resignation. We're seeing a lot of businesses pop up, mm -hmm. right? And people come to me with ideas and like, hey, what do you think about this? What do you think about this? Like, don't worry about what I think about it. <laughs> Make a business plan. <laughs> Just write a business plan out so that you know where you're trying to take your thing. Totally. Right? You, your goals and all that is in front of you. Totally. So that you're not just starting something. Totally. And, and, and you can put some kind of thought around some of the stuff. Because, I, I mean, to your point, I think a lot of people, when they come up with ideas, they really only speak about the, let's be blunt, sexy part of the idea. Mm -hmm. They're not talking about the pain, the hardships, the hard parts, the horrible parts. They're just strictly talking about the sexy part of the idea. And the business plan unlocks those other components, yeah. which sometimes are even bigger than the idea, which is really going to be the deterrent that's going to stop this idea to happening. Exactly. And that's exactly where I think that, you know, I like that you said that the sexy part of the idea is like, this looks great over here mm -hmm. right it's like what we're seeing on 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 social media you know the sexy part of the idea yeah okay it looks fantastic it looks fabulous mm. maybe you want to sip mojitos on the beach <laughs> but there's all these steps in between that i find people gloss over they completely skip you know like when we first started the carpet store i used to sit there and I would come up with an idea, mm -hmm. and I would sit there and take a few weeks, research, and write a business plan for it. Yeah. And that was my way of seeing if the idea was feasible or not. And that's so important. And, like, I, I, I'm curious, like, why did, you, why did you write a business plan? A business plan allowed me to see it in my head. What would the operations look like? What do the costs look like? You know, what are the risks? Mm -hmm. You know, what are... What needs to happen before you even open your doors? Mm -hmm. You know, how much investment is it going to take? You know, it, it allowed me to really materialize the idea. You know, okay, you want to open a storefront? Okay, how much is inventory going to cost? Signage. Totally. All right, communications, right? Marketing. How the hell are people going to figure <laughs> out that you exist? <laughs> you know what I mean? And I've, I've, like, had, like, I've got business plans just sitting on my laptop for a shisha bar, totally. a clothing business. Um, like, a production company was one of the first ones that I actually did a thing for, and mm -hmm. then I, I didn't actually understand the business. And then when yeah. I started working in it, I'm like, okay, I, I understand it now. And so I went back and revisited it. You know totally. what I mean? So, and by the way, that's so dope. You have, like, business plans logged in your computer to pull out. Yeah. That's so... I, I feel like, <laughs> I feel like, and you, you went to university, so you know. Yeah. Like, I feel like, Going to school kind of gave me that, you know, gave me the tools to be able to sit and, okay, I need to write out this plan. You know, I feel totally. like all writing is writing at totally. the end of the day. You know, whether you're writing a business plan, a proposal, a script, an essay, it's all the same. You're mm -hmm. taking whatever is here and you're typing it, you know what I mean? And, you know, this kind of allowed me to, the, the trial and error, it's like, okay, well, yeah. now we're seeing that, okay, this idea isn't feasible. Yeah. Or maybe it's not feasible yet. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, but we're seeing a bunch of people pop up, a mm -hmm. bunch of ideas. And the ideas are great if if they work. <laughs> and if you can execute on it, to your point, because, again, um, 
I mean, in this day and age, it's like the, the cliches are, are, are all over the place. I mean, let's be honest. There's successful restaurants. Cool. Go open up a successful restaurant. Let's see how, how you do, you know? <laughs> <laughs> um, there's clothing stores that are successful. Okay, cool. Open a clothing store and we'll see how you do. You know, like there is so much more than just the idea. Mm-hmm. It, it, it comes down to, in my opinion, execution. And I'm always trying to tell people, um, and, and I push back on them when they have a great idea. I'm like, okay, cool. But like, talk to me about the operation. Talk to me about the execution. Talk to me about the plan you have in place. And if that's met with, well, I don't know. It's just an idea. I'm like, okay, well, then flush it out and turn it into a side hustle and see if you can prototype it almost. Mm-hmm. I, I think that's something that I, I, I have, I did not do in the past, which now I do, which is so smart. It's a better tactic mm-hmm. is to like create a mock of your idea and put it out there to see if you can actually sell it before you spend the, the money on the money. hundred percent. Yeah. I always say that, you know, you want to have this business. If, if you're opening something, you're starting this idea. Mm-hmm before you even start to invest a dollar into it, you need to have an answer for everything. 100%. You need to say, okay, if somebody asks you this about your business, you got to have an answer for it. If this stops working, you got to have an answer for it. If every single thing that happens, (laughs) you need an answer for it. That's the key to business because the core fundamentals of business is problem solving. Totally. Right? You see a problem, you come up with a solution. Totally. So if you're seeing problems in your business... You need to find solutions. And, and like, it's so earlier when we were talking about how I, like, steered away from, like, wedding photography, for example. The one thing that I realized, like, I don't know everything. I don't know shit, to be honest. And by me, at times, when I would get a wedding photographer person inquiring, or, sorry, a, a client saying, like, hey, I have this wedding, I'll do this. I started to then push those onto other photographers, other mm-hmm. cinematographers, to build relations with them so that then I can hopefully get answers or bounce ideas off them so that we can, I can always have like a source of information and expertise outside of my own. So you're 100% right. You have to either know it yourself or have people around you who are at least are experts around those areas because that's why they always say the cliche, being a business owner, your best friend should be your accountant. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Your other best friend should be your business advisor or your um, uh business manager bank manager because those two people the access to money and the way that this money is being documented and and controlled is vital vital yeah (laughs) and then you need a good lawyer uh, and then uh, a good mechanic there you go (laughs) (laughs) you don't want to you want to drive that car and find out something's wrong you don't know what's wrong with it you know it's 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 true i think essentials understanding that yeah, you want to have all the answers but understanding that you don't know everything Mm -hmm. right like you said you know being being a student, you know, a lifelong student. Mm-hmm. I think that's the key because then you're mm-hmm. not basking in your ignorance. Totally, right? you're not. You're not able to blame something based on what you don't know. Hundred percent. And like, let's let's be honest. Like, let's like let's rewind five years ago or ten years ago. It's a different world. Like, how could you not be a, like a forever student or, or a self learner? How can you keep up? You can't. You can't. Like, a lot of this technology, this podcasting, this didn't even exist in this capacity. You needed millions of dollars to be able to broadcast what we're doing right now. Absolutely. But because of technology right now, it's now able to do it. So if you didn't keep up that these tools and these platforms were available... Then you would not... You would be taking advantage of it. Absolutely. I think the decentralization of technology has become... We're seeing it. We see it in media. We see it in how we are receiving our news. Like... 
there is no longer gatekeepers. 150%. Anybody can walk in and, and, and do whatever they want. Totally. That's a, a blessing and a curse because anyone can walk in and just <laughs> do everything they want. <laughs> you know what I mean? Totally. And, and you know what? I, I think it's it's you're right. And I think it's more of a blessing than a curse because, like, let's be honest. Let's take an extreme. Like, what happened of George Floyd's murder would not have caught in traction if it wasn't for the way technology was utilized to document that mm-hmm. in terms of everyone having a cell phone out there. Um, who knows if that would have sort of caught sort of the international global um, connection around where everyone was able to rally and come together mm-hmm. around solving and addressing and identifying issues, you know, in each respective unique country or, or city. And on top of that, when it comes to sort of, again, um, this information and having these gatekeepers, like people are consuming so much information through these digital channels, these social channels that allows, yes, the spotlight to be put on certain people who we feel like, okay, cool, they should not have the spotlight. But at the end of the day, I personally think it's done more more good than a bad. Mm-hmm. I, I agree with that. I think it has done a lot of good. And when you talk about, you know, what happened summer of 2020, mm-hmm. I think, you know, that pandemic in a lot of different avenues had really shaken up the world, you know, from media, right? Uh, from just the great resignation. We're seeing, like, work, and we can see that work can be done at home. And mm-hmm. and, and it's really, I feel like, taking power away from corporations, mm-hmm. and big businesses. You institutions. Know, and institutions yep. as well, right? Because everything has come to a complete halt. 100%. And we really had to think about, I don't, for me, for sure, I don't know about everybody else, but I sat, I'm like, damn, like, what are we really doing out here? <laughs> what, what are we, what are we really, what is my contribution mm-hmm. to society and, and, and humankind mm-hmm. as of right now? Mm-hmm. Right? And I think that if the world hadn't stopped, mm-hmm. we never would have had those conversations. No. You know? And, and it's, and and that's a huge point because when things started to slow down, it allowed us to think because let's be honest, life is so go, go, go. The cliche of it being a rat race is true. Like we are bombarded with so much information, content. We're trying to please our, our significant others, our businesses, our organizations, our bosses. And when that thing came to the halt, it just allowed us to stop and just reflect or have life catch up. And like you, um, I hit that same similar kind of path of like, well, what am I doing? What does that look like? And how do I get better control around that? And so I use that time to start the process of implementing, you know, different things of building out, you know, a better North Star of where I'm working towards. Um, I started to kind of reevaluate the work that I was doing. And then I took the time to really, again, self-reflect on what's important to me so that then I can dial more into that. And there's still so much opportunities within that kind of lane or within that space. The conversations with yourself are very important, man. <laughs> and, and, and like you said, you know, just slowing down and thinking, man, okay, I'm not doing this, this, and this now anymore. Mm-hmm. What can I do to improve? What do I need to implement, you know? Totally. What were some of the things you implemented into your day-to-day? So one of the, like the biggest things... That's a good question. One of the biggest things that I implemented in my day-to-day was, again, I realized that I enjoy, like, the creation process. So I started being more active of creating things. So I started my own YouTube channel um, that I started posting serious, like, kind of content on it. And that kind of empowered me to do more. 
um, I started trying to get involved in other projects and taking advantage of, to be honest, some of the resources out there. So whether that's around grants, whether that's around initiatives, I started paying attention to that and started figuring out ways to tap into those resources. Um, I started a non-for-profit <laughs> during the pandemic um, because I saw a gap in between, um, long story short, in between sort of the black community and us solving our own problems. So I started like a, a non-for-profit, which I'll go into details later, um, more about sort of addressing that, about how we as a community can solve our own things. It's all about just us finding each other in this bigger system and community of business and work. And then in addition to that, I started to, to be honest, dial back on client service work in terms of me doing all this content creation for business and organizations. And I started trying to figure out more ways for me to create original content. So teaching other people to sort of do what I'm doing, um, pursue different crafts or learn how they can become video editors or content creators. Because I think, again, that is the Mm -hmm. unlock to whatever you're trying to do, which is communication. Mm -hmm. How, How do I broadcast in a world that there's so much digital channels, that there's majority people spend more on the you know six apps on your phones than the internet itself, how do you show up on that space is important, and I want to teach people how they can better show up. That's off. That's awesome. That feels like that was a, must have been a long summer for you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know it. It's it's funny what you said before about how when you started to realize more about yourself through your reflection, you figured out kind of, well, cool, let me stay in these lanes. I started to kind of pinpoint that same thing. Those projects initiatives might be quite separate, but to be honest, that's what I've been doing for the past kind of 20 years, you know? And now I just have a North Star of just figuring out, okay, cool, I'm just leaning more into that. Mm -hmm. And so that's where uh, I've just realized the power and value of just doing what you know and especially when you've spent so much time learning all this information or details or strategies or tactics how do i double down in that yeah i I feel like you know society wants us to specialize in one thing Mm -hmm. and i think sometimes that can be kind of detrimental 100 you know for you you know bobby t has this skill this skill this skill this skill Mm -hmm. the combination of these skills makes you unique 100 <laughs> percent. you know but you just focusing on one thing i think i don't know who, who he had on here but he said specializations for insects mm. right you just having this one thing yeah you're competing with a mass market you know 100 I mean? so you leaning into it comes back down to leaning into who you are saying okay well i have experience here i have done this i've done this i've done this yeah the combination of these things brings a very unique value proposition that's totally. not based on just one thing right and that's kind of what what that pandemic was for me it was like okay well I've, i'm doing content creation i'm doing this and i'm work here and i'm whatever i do this this and mm-hmm. this how do i find a way to you know kind of channel all these separate things into one thing totally which is now become the personal brand which I'm still working towards it's really difficult when people ask me what do you do <laughs> i think that's the worst i hate that question because i like you know like the depends which answer you want, <laughs> you know. And, and you know what? Like it's 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 so funny because I've I've struggled with that too. Where, you know what? There's that's I, I think that's actually an indicator. I think you need to spend more time, a little bit more time reflecting, because you're right. I think specializing first off, there's stages. 
I'm a big fan that like in the beginning, in your journey, in your career, whatever you're trying to accomplish, like you need to sample, taste everything. You need to Mm -hmm. get experience. You need to try things to realize what do I love and what do I hate. Mm -hmm. But I think when you're going through these trials, the specialization is like a combination between that and kind of what you call like, like almost like niching down, Mm -hmm. really picking an area or topic that you want to stick in. And so, um, whether that's around cool, I'm starting a podcast. What will I talk about? Well, if you talk about everything, you're kind of talking about nothing. Nothing, yeah. You know, and so it's very important mm-hmm. to start to really keen in on a certain type of person, a type of audience, mm-hmm. a certain demographic. So that then when you speak to them, you'll hit them and they'll feel something. They'll feel that emotional engagement and they want to follow you. They want to become your fan. They want to follow you around this journey. And so I have been actually falling in love with just getting very, very niche, very, very actually specialized almost because I had the opportunity to really try a range of different things and experience a lot of different stuff to now say, okay, cool, with all of this, let me narrow that down. But to your point, it's it's funny. So um, university, got my business degree, specialized our major in marketing marketing nowadays what does that even mean (laughs) like what does that mean like does that mean i'm a content creator in terms of producer and production of filming and documenting and doing audio stuff or does that mean that i coordinate and share posts and kind of work through the social channels does that mean i'm a writer that i blog for you and all stuff like and all of those are like completely different skill sets so it's funny how a lot of stuff is about sort of like like generalization that you do. You know, it's funny. A lot of big businesses or small businesses will hire. Okay, cool. You're my marketer. Now I need you to do all of this. And it's like, well, what? You I can't. More than that. <laughs> I, I can't do all of that. <laughs> but they want you to then be a generalist, which is important. But I think depending on what you're trying to do, the value and the money is being the specialist. Because I, if I know you do nothing, nothing but edit say podcasts and or 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 actually let me take a step back let's say if you are the best video lighter in the city that's all you do you don't touch anything else you don't do no camera work you don't do nothing you only stick to lights you best believe if i have a project and i need a like person of light i'm gonna say okay cool i know exactly who to call Mm -hmm. he or she's going to kill it (laughs) Mm -hmm. because that's all they do i know who to call and so i will pay that extra dollar because I know that's what she does and that's what she'll kill it at. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of, you know, that's, that's, that's how, you know, you climb that, that pay scale is when you mm-hmm. specialize in one thing. You know, my problem has always been, if I can see it, I can do it. Mm-hmm. That's been my problem. You know, it's like, Oh, I have a sick idea. <laughs> Let me see if I can make it reality. Yeah. You know, and when I, I, uh, when we first started the gifted gab initially, mm-hmm. you know, like, I'm like, you know what? I want a podcast. I want to put myself out there, mm-hmm. you know, put out the personal brand and stuff. Mm-hmm. But in the back end, you know, I really want to get into film and television. <laughs> that was always my thing. It's like, oh. you know, this is going to be my way of like getting into that. hundred percent. That, that lane. Yeah. You know? get, get your hands dirty. Getting my hands See, dirty, yeah, yeah. you know? And then it led to me actually, I remember when I first, uh, when I first got my acting agent, I didn't have any acting experience. Mm-hmm. I did a couple of classes and stuff. And he's like, you know, have you ever acted anything? I'm like, nope. Yeah. He's like, like he's like nothing, like no student <laughs> films or anything. I'm like, nope. <laughs> so I'm like, but I do a podcast. Yeah. He's like, okay, you know what? Put that on your resume. You know what I mean? So now it became okay. Now I understood. Okay, like because when 
these 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 casting directors and thing they're looking and they want to see what you've worked on and what you've totally. done. I didn't have anything. <laughs> so I'm like, I have this thing. So let's find a way to, to, to work that in. And then it, it helped me start working my way into acting and, and all this stuff. And now, through that, getting my hands dirty, totally. I said, okay, now I know what I want to be doing. <laughs> it's creating, directing, writing, whatever it is, as long as they're the stories that I want to tell. Yeah. Right? Whether it's a, a comedy, whether it's a horror film, whatever it is. Yeah. You know? So, but... I didn't have that that clear picture. Totally. And and to your point that like you needed to get into it. You needed to kind of create it from the ground up and that's the best way cuz I, I, again I'm I'm cut from that same cloth. Again, my first business clothing store. Mm-hmm. Um I never got into photography and videography until I had a clothing store and I had to take pictures of my <laughs> clothes. I had to take videos to put content out. And that's where I started to taste and I started to experience and I fell in love with this process and went down a rabbit hole of nerding out. And that's where I was like, okay, cool. This is what I really like to enjoy. And, and I, I think you should never lose sight of that. Um, you know, to, to not go too on a tangent, but this whole NFT craze, it's interesting. And I was like, okay, cool. I don't want to read headlines about it. So let me go out. I went out and I bought some NFTs. I'm experiencing that. I'm learning about it and I'm doing it not to, and I hopefully don't lose a bunch of money. I hope I make some money. But end of all, I'm doing it because I want to understand it so that then when the world decides to embrace it or if are. something else comes out from it, you best believe I'll have some experience in it. I'll have tasted it. I'll have something to then make some moves or build a business or at least understand it because, again, I'm a forever student. I'll learn. I'll experiment. Mm-hmm. I was late to a lot of these parties. Mm-hmm. You know, um, social media, when social media started taking off you know like instagram i was mm-hmm. late to that party yeah, yeah i was late to that party. define Tick- late late as in like everybody's the hype everybody's getting on it yeah I'm like, ah. <laughs> yeah it's probably because i still had a blackberry but yeah. <laughs> you know but um okay. yeah, i was late to that party you know tiktok yeah. you know like the these things come and people think oh it's just a fad mm-hmm. but no they become ingrained in 100%. Our economy. Like yeah. You think about influencer marketing. Mm-hmm. Okay? It's another another se- another sect of marketing. We're yeah. Talking about. <laughs> but like, you think about how much money is floating around just in that economy. Billions. Billions of dollars. <laughs> There's brands paying people billions of dollars to promote this product or this service or whatever. So people who were, who were hesitant on TikTok... Maybe they were influencers and they caught it. Some people didn't, you know. Mm-hmm. What I mean? So we think that oh, this is just a fad. People used to talk the same way about the internet. Hundred, hundred percent. Like if if you look, because it's so funny. Um, there's this famous guy, Gary Vaynerchuk, <laughs> who always says this line about how, um, like you know, read the headlines from uh, when the internet was a fad. And I was like, one day he was like, he always says that. And I was like, you know what? Let me go, let me let me actually Google to see the headlines. And I read the headlines, and it was insane what they were saying about it. Like like between it being a fad, between like you're losing your money, like don't do it. Like the, like it was it was so interesting to see how the mass media had such a visceral reaction to it, which then fed that perception that a lot of people, regular people, said, okay, cool, it's nothing. Who cares? To see it. Like it's literally everything. Like it's it's every like we let's be let's be honest. We live we live in the internet right now. Oh. We like and if you don't show me your mobile phone because <laughs> we are all like go anywhere and you see people 
almost actually you've seen people dying from their phones absolutely from taking extreme selfies all the way down to not paying attention like we are already living in the internet and so it's just remarkable to see such an extreme case from it's a fad to where's this going <laughs> are you tired of the running around for a specific hair product for a specific type of hair are you tired of overpaying for services like weave and extensions? Well, are you in the Northwestern Canada's best kept secret? Afro Era in North Edmonton is now open and operating right at Londonderry Mall. Come shop all things black, including hair care, beauty products and accessories, and hair itself. Now accepting online orders as well as walk-ins for braids, weave, and more, there's no more running around to find the right products and services. Your hair is a statement, so treat it like one. Visit us in-store or shop with us online at afroera.ca. <laughs> so where do you think Web 3.0? <laughs> Where do you think we're going with this? Yeah, so what's interesting, just my understanding, because I'm no expert, you know. Um, so far, my understanding of, like, when it, when this terminology, Web 3.0, is just the next phase or the next part of how the Internet itself will become, like, sort of decentralized is, like, the, the term. So when that means, ultimately, if I want to make a purchase from you, I can just directly purchase an asset or some piece of information or a service directly from you, skipping, whether it's around the banks, skipping the institutions, speaking, basically skipping the series of middlemen, you know, that come between that. Mm -hmm. And the other component about sort of this Web 3.0 is using the example, I guess, again, of like Fortnite. There's a lot of people who are buying assets that are digital assets within certain ecosystems, like a video game. And those are also million dollar economies within video games which is insane and so when you expand upon that in the digital space i mean we've all read the headlines of some sorts whether that's around buying land mm -hmm. whether that's around buying pictures or jpegs and all that stuff and so whether you're for that or not for it you know some of the popular like analogies that people keep on saying is like well ultimately um why do you want you know like why do you want a blue check mark in the instagram why do you care about that? Mm -hmm. Why do you um, like kind of seek sort of validation from the next person around you? Hence why you buy, whether it's around certain types of cars or brands and things like that. And ultimately, mm -hmm. fundamentally, people, people care about how they're perceived. They care about sort of these assets. And so we have been buying digital assets for years, for decades. And the Web 3.0 is just the next almost space for that the next medium and i and i think it's interesting because it's really capturing what we've already been doing for the longest time you know you take spotify for example right a lot of us spotify apple music all those like kind of platforms are music all of us are 
members to that and we don't own the actual songs so we don't own the cds so to speak we can't just play that if for whatever reason spotify app music just died tomorrow our playlist is gone they're all gone because <laughs> we don't actually have the cds we don't actually have the, the tangible items and so when people are saying like well that's so stupid why would i ever buy a plot of land that's digital or why would i ever buy this figure or this picture well you're already doing it. It just looks a bit different. It's it's a lot it's a lot more basic now and it'll be a lot more complex later. That's interesting. I think it's really interesting the direction we're heading in. It's 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 like trying to find out how you fit in in that grand scheme of things. How can somebody take advantage of this progression we're having in technology, you know? T totally. Yeah. And and like it's it's scary. It's, <laughs> it's scary because it's unknown, but I don't know, it's it, it's fascinating. If you really think about it, like, what a time to be alive. Absolutely. Like, I, I, I sometimes, when I see this technology around me or these things, advancements, I always ask myself, like, you know, what would my great-great-grandparents think about this? <laughs> you know, when they were literally on the farms or just worrying about literally putting food on the table, like, they had no choices, no options. They just had, like, one, two, three. To be honest, my parents had, like, when they were children or teenagers or young adults had like limited choices in comparison to now Oof. like right now if you wanted to in probably a matter of a weekend you can have an online store business going Easy. rolling and people can buy and purchase from it within a weekend Easy. that was unthinkable mm -hmm. in our parents generation and then our grandparents like get out of here like you kidding me so we in a world that we have a ridiculous wealth of opportunities what am I doing to take advantage of that? And and if I don't, I'm disrespecting them. Absolutely. I, I always say that, like, if, even for my parents, you know, I'm a children of immigrants, mm. you know, for me not to be taking these advantage, advantage of these opportunities is like a spit in the face. Hundred, hun why did they bring you here? Or you know, yeah. why do they put so much work to, you know, come to this different world or this different piece of land and things like that. And it's to have opportunities. And so I, I, I like, I'm so passionate about that. Absolutely. I think, and I think that, you know, what you were saying before about the wealth of these opportunities, I think sometimes we can get indecision paralysis mm -hmm. because there's so many options and, comes back to that self-reflection and why it's so important because you're here you're in this place you know you don't want to be stuck doing something you hate 100 percent. so you got to figure something out you got to figure it out totally and 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 to that point like you have so many choices that how why would you stick with something you hate so let's say i get it like we all have certain circumstances and responsibilities that we need to do at times things that we don't like so you don't like your job you're nine to five but you have responsibilities all around you i think it's about focusing on your off time your to start building out some of those side hustles to edge out on your responsibilities, whether it's financials, usually our bills or things like that. Start to figure out ways to supplement that slowly through products, through other services, through like, like, and, and, and what's, what's the real funny thing is, it's like, you could do, like there's, so, like, there's so much. It's about you just figuring out where you want to try, attempt it, see what happens, scrap it if it doesn't work, and then pick the next idea of your hats. Because, 
we are inundated with too much information. Mm-hmm. You go on YouTube, you type small businesses, you see a trillion small Ooh. businesses. And all trillion of them are like all great ideas that, are, that could bubble up to success. So it's like, how do I pick one? And I think it's about literally flipping a coin, drawing a hat, asking someone, like, pick one for me. Do whatever you need to do. Pick it. Try it. Prototype it. Experiment. Figure it out. Do some research. Mm-hmm. And immediately start getting your hands dirty to see if it's something that you can bring to fruition. Absolutely. I think the last, not the last episode, episode before this, maybe three episodes ago, we had uh, the kid T on. And he said, you know, he started with rap. Mm. But it led to him figuring out he likes camera work. <laughs> so now he's a videographer and filmmaker and stuff like that. Totally. So it's like you went and said, I'm doing this. Mm-hmm. And you figured out, oh, like I kind of like this. Like, oh, I can learn this. I can get used to this. Mm-hmm. So, that that being able to sample and taste and figure out, okay, making the choice. And I think that's one thing we haven't talked about. It's like you have to choose mm-hmm. to, okay, I'm gonna go and do this thing, or I'm gonna try to make it to this, or I'm gonna try to get. That has to be a choice, a conscious decision you make. Totally. So that now it's like, okay, I've made this decision. So now I'm trying to execute this here. Yep. So that everything else in between is leading to that. And in that in between there, you may figure out that, man, I don't even want to do this anymore. So hundred percent. And and I think one of the biggest deterrents that people have is is the cliche just starting. You know, we, we have sometimes so much self doubt. We have so much naysayers around us. And really, and again, this is gonna be the theme of this 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 podcast. It's about self-reflection by truly being able to understand what is important like like here's the kicker how can anyone else truly understand you more than you like it it just doesn't make sense like they're not you they don't know a hundred percent of your experiences they don't know the time when you got your heart broken or how you felt after your friend ditched you or how when you were starting your first business, you were like sad or crying or just like whatever. They, they've not experienced what you've experienced. So because of that, how can they dictate to you that what you're doing for a business or an idea is the wrong idea? You can get insights. You can ask them questions. You can get feedback. But ultimately, you have to make that choice. That's a bar. That's, that's, <laughs> that's it right there. I mean, at the end of the day, you know, when we talk about having vision, right, being able to see something all the way through. Mm-hmm. Nobody's going to have that vision except you. Nope. Nobody's going to be able to see what that finish line looks like except you. And that's why it's so important to get the insight. 100%. Take it with a grain of salt. Because at the end of the day, you're the only guy that can see that that picture. Totally. And and, 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 and that's where it's funny. And, and that's why... I mean, that's why Web 3.0 gets me so pumped. Because when everyone else around me is like reading the headlines oh i'm i'm putting in work I'm, I'm i'm reading i'm i'm highlighting text i'm taking out sample information i'm getting models of projects because i want to learn how projects are executed and what makes them fail i'm building the blocks to potentially do my own project because i want to you know um figure out firsthand what's it like to launch hopefully a successful or a failure so that then I can take all of those insights and learnings and apply it to whatever next opportunities be coming down the pipeline. Because let's be honest, technology is winning mm-hmm. <laughs> and it's going a certain direction and it's not slowing down for no one at all. Absolutely. I, I think that 
that's it right there. It's like <laughs> all the information is there for you mm-hmm. to do whatever it is that you need to yeah. do. You just have to go out, seek it, apply it. I think application yeah. is a big one that we don't really talk about, but ap- application of all this information that you're gathering. And you could build those blocks, you build a foundation, and then you can say, okay, well, I can see this through. Totally. You know, and, go for that. And, 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 and again, I, I think, especially for the, some of those people who, who struggle, because I, I think there's like that starting point again, that's a struggle. Um, so at a young age, I was lucky that I first learned to believe in myself in regardless of what the world thought around me and the people around me, my parents, my brother, and people around me, was because of, again, around video games. And what happened was, when I was in the process of just playing for fun and things, so I remember my cousins, my friends, everyone would make fun of me around it and be like, oh, you're playing video games? You're crazy? <laughs> oh, you joined a team? You joined a team? You can't go out because you're practicing? What is that? What do, you, what do you mean you're practicing? That everyone would clown on me and would make jokes and things. And then the day it flipped was when I was like, hey, cool. Hey, guys, I'm going to North Korea. Or South Korea, I mean. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to uh, Italy, so I'll be back in, like, next week. And, like, all this stuff started happening around um, high school. And when that started to happen, people were like, holy cow, like, are you kidding me? Mm. And from that, I, like, cultivated this, and uh, is a blessing. I cultivated this, like, confidence to realize, okay, cool. If the world says I'm wrong, I might be right. That's an indicator that I might be onto something. I might be onto something different. I might be onto something new. And because of that, I've been always just pursuing, reading, learning, and just seeing what's next. That's beautiful, man. I love I love to hear that. And it's giving you this this newfound confidence. I was just saying off camera that like if you can build something once, mm-hmm. you're that's probably the most important skill. Yeah, I think that's most important. 100%. And, and, and a lot of people, that's why you'll see some of those, like, what you call, like, serial entrepreneurs, is because, like, let's be honest, um, your business compared to a clothing store, compared to a grocery store, I mean, fundamentally, same. it's the same, same. thing. Same. You're trying to do some marketing, you're trying to make sure the books are going towards the direction of profit versus loss, and you're managing people, employees, like, fundamentally, it's the same thing, just a different service, a different product. So, once you know how to do do it once successfully and hopefully have that strong foundation, of course you could apply it to everything else. It just comes down to what you care about. It comes down to what you care about. Now, speaking about what you care about, <laughs> talk to me about what you're working on with, uh, with StoryHive. I don't know if you want to get into okay. details, but... Yeah, so ultimately for StoryHive, um, and for those who don't wear, um, not fully aware what StoryHive is, it's a project that TELUS does um, where... It's their almost like granting arm that allows uh, creators to get funding opportunities um, to get their projects and ideas supported financially. So for StoryHive, um, I was successful in, um, I'm going to go on a quick tangent, I was successful in their grant stream called Voices. And what happened was I was applying for a stream that you were successful in, which was called the Black Creators um, Grant. And what I happened was when I applied for that, I was like, hmm, well, what happens if I don't get it? And I noticed that also story, I've had these other streams popping up. So I'm like, you know what? Let me apply to everything. That's exactly what I did. (laughs) (laughs) 
Let me lie to everything. Lie everything yeah. To hopes that I lied one thing mm-hmm. because I'd rather three chats than just putting all my marbles in one. Diversification. And so, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, see, so, so the reason why I brought that up is I know so many people only went for the one. I was like, well, why? Why would you do that? And they're like, well, I was unsuccessful in that one. I was like, well, then why didn't you apply for the rest? Mm-hmm. And so, like, for everyone out there, I, I just want to say, always hedge your bets. Diverse. Like, you know, like, it, it's, 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 I laugh because I think it's so foundational, but it's something a lot of people are not aware of. Like, try to play as much of the game you can and be in a number of different things to be successful. But I digress. Uh, <laughs> um, so my story project is a, is a podcast, a video podcast I'm creating called Recording Color, Decoding Undertones, where I'm having a series of conversations of how people are working with videos with people that have darker skin tones. Because ultimately... When it comes to the whole, whole world of content creation, when it comes to working with people of darker complexions, it's a whole different tactic. It's a whole different strategy. These cameras, in terms of hardware, all the way down to the software that these platforms look at us differently. And so if you've seen the headlines of TikTok and how black creators are not featured in their um, streams or how they're looked differently or how the monetization due to the views all has a different skewed because they're black or have darker skin tones, all the way down to the hardware of these cameras look differently. And the best examples I've given is like, if you as a darker skin tone person have ever been on a camera, what will happen is the camera will view your skin as being dark and so the whole scene's dark and so then it makes everything bright for like those laptop cameras whenever you're zooming in. And what happens is you look ashy, mm-hmm. you look like you're dry <laughs> mm-hmm. and it's not giving you a realistic um, color color, and not a realistic look of what you actually look like as a darker skin tone individual. So this podcast is going to go into sort of the tactics, the strategies of addressing that, of what you need to do to hopefully look better on camera and then... I'm also going to be bridging that gap when it comes to having discussions, conversations for the other genres. So there's videography, there's photography, there's illustration, there's graphic designs. And I'm hoping to just really unpack and provide as much resources and information of what it's like to work with someone that has a darker skin tone. And also, um, as creators ourselves who have darker skin tones, how do we, like, how do we put ourselves in the best area of success? Man, that's brilliant. You know, that's mm. a brilliant idea, and it's niche, and it's so necessary because, you know, we we we're taking up so much more space now. Mm-hmm. But sometimes it, it, we forget that a lot of this technology, a lot of the software and stuff, they don't think about us when they're creating it at all. It, uh, I, I so I've been doing some research around this. Like fundamentally, a phot- like like the basis of, and I don't want to go too technical for the people who don't know, but like. The, the way cameras operate from like the ISO selection all the way down to like frame rates to just the mechanics that was built around reading information was always built around um, white complexion. Mm-hmm. So of course, if that is the foundation, when it comes to having a darker skin tone, it's going to react differently. It's, you need a different approach. And I always use the analogy, if you look up the makeup industry or the tattoo industry, I mean, they have a different strategy when working with darker skin tones. The makeup industry has a different set of um, cover-ups and things for people that have darker skin tones. So it's the same principles um, when it comes to creating content as a video creator or working with someone who's opposing the camera lens that has a darker skin tones. And there's just a different tactic, strategy, and approach. That's interesting. 
very needed, very mm-hmm. necessary, man. Congratulations, man. Yes. That's big, man. <laughs> I think that, you know, it's about time we start taking up the space and, and, and talking about these things. Mm-hmm. You know, we sometimes when we are trying to educate people about how the odds are stacked against us, you know, they think we're just talking you know, historically, financially, mm-hmm. um, economically, you know, socially, whatever it is. But you really break it down and you look, <laughs> you know, uncover that lens cap and oh. look at the technology. Like, oh. You're going to see that, damn, even this this camera is against me. <laughs> it's working <laughs> against it. But it's, 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 tr- it's truth. Yeah. yeah. So, again, like, from the hardware companies to these devices, I mean, it's, it's an uphill battle. And you think now, so there's this economy called the creator's economy where between creating podcasts, YouTube shows, um, being an influencer, there's an economy of people who are making, it's, it's a multi-billion dollar industry where between sponsors and different business organizations, they're all kind of fueling this space that they're advertising to connect with audiences, connect to people. And again, when the hardware that we're utilizing, that we're learning how to use is in itself um, a challenge, then we cannot show up to be our best selves. And we just have to go through different, this is different tactics, different routes. It's a different process. And we just need to learn more about the process we should be taking and less about learning about the black experience the hard way, which is just by failing or losing a opportunity. Mm-hmm. I feel like, when it comes to learning these things, obviously, if the technology is framed this way, then the learning has also been framed in a way that's specifically for white people, the mm-hmm. ma- majority, mm-hmm. right? So to see that they're giving space to us to do these things, to, to to create these programs, to tell these stories, to talk about, not only talk about the difficulties, but to talk about the solutions. Because I find that, you know, the virtue signaling and and and. and always pointing the finger at what's wrong what's wrong what's wrong but mm-hmm. not bringing a solution it's, it's it's counterintuitive like it doesn't move us forward mm-hmm. we need coming back down to business mm-hmm. solutions totally right and and I, I like you're 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 bang on in respect to there's one thing to identify the challenge but it's to figure out you know the 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 way to solve it or or that process behind it and you know like let's let's take Again, which I've always said in business. So in, I, I attended university, went business, got my degree, cool. Um, the one thing they never taught me at school was what's it like for me to sit at a table being a black guy, six foot two with long dreads and to opposite a person who does not look anything like me. That experience is totally different. I need to come prepared. I need to show up with more information to prove my expertise, my self-worth, my, 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 my um, knowledge, I think, more than someone else who can automatically get that relation. A lot of people don't realize, but when you're doing business with people, when you're doing working with someone, there's almost this like state of relationship that automatically comes at the table. And in that relationship, if I don't see myself in you or if I don't see the cues that make up you being the right person or right expertise, then there's a lack of trust. And then ultimately, I might not want to work with you. So because of those nuances, to circle back, um, 
I think that experience as a creator, that experience as a way that I want to show up to be more professional, to look my way, to feel that confidence because I know I look good is very important, even if you're not a video creator, but you're just a person who just wants to make sure they're putting their best foot forward. And I can imagine with your project that you're doing um, as a director, as being a black man who's a director, you must have experienced like indicators. And I'm curious if you have any stories <laughs> of, of like whether it's perception, whether it's around people, how they treated you. Like, I'm curious, do you have any, does any stories resonate or come up around that? You know, my biggest thing when I was starting this project was not about the subject in front of the camera, but who's behind the camera, mm. you know, because I think when we're approaching these kind of stories and we're trying to tell these things, culture is important. Mm. So, you know, I couldn't sleep at night because I'm like, yo, the experienced guys in this field are all white. Mm-hmm. Right, but then have guys that I know what they can do with a camera or mm-hmm. what they can do when they're part of a crew. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I recorded my demo and I used this all white crew at first. And I'm like, this yeah. is a great. They did a great job. There's no denying it. Like it looks better than what I expected. Hundred percent. But now I'm like, I'm gonna have a hard time sleeping at night if I take this thing all the way and there's nobody that looks like me behind this camera. You know, totally. that I'm working with, I knew that that was going to bother me. And, you know, I've been sitting on this project for about, I'm approaching two years now. Yeah. And I'm having this creative negotiation in my head about, okay, well, this is the budget. This is how much these guys cost. This is how much this guy costs. Like, yeah. how am I going to make this work so that I'm not only telling the story, but I'm able to, you know, give guys that look like me opportunities, you know, some, totally. you know, create a culture behind the camera so that you know it's not just me in that room because i i feel like if i'm in the room and all these people in the room are white then as a creator and and a guy that's about community i failed 100 percent. you know and 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 to add to that i think you know what I don't know if we've totally, amongst our own communities, have audited how much talent there are within our spaces. There's a lot. A ton. I remember, and, and like going a step forward of like a different industry, um, there's this awesome group, Five Artists, One Love, um, that does oh, this like them. production here in the city where they do um, a multi-artist disciplinary um, pop-up. And through them highlighting and attending their shows and seeing how much talent is locally in respect to visual artists, um, uh, spoken word poets, and all the way down to uh, musicians, to be honest, I didn't even, I had no clue they existed here. And, and, I, and I think that applies for everywhere. When it comes to some of these productions, video productions and, and sort of the work that you're doing, like, I, I like to think there's going to be a moment in time that once you're working with this team, there's going to be a culture within there that they're going to be either kind of be able to comp, like, like almost com- like comments or bring some added value in respect to saying like, hey, that last recording like hit home. Like, wow, that individual that we were speaking to was, was, was saying stuff that resonated with me because my family's because of what I experienced with my uncle, my dad, my mom, my aunt, etc., my sister, my brother. And there, there's going to be a nuance based on the work that you're trying to do that's going to come out of having a production team that has some of those lived experiences that you can't teach mm-hmm. that will then hopefully make that final creative project that much more polished, that much more unique, that much more, I don't know, for us. Authentic. And 
hundred percent. There you go. Authentic. And, that, and that's what I'm trying to chase. And that's what I've been trying to chase. And I found a way to bridge that gap. It's like, Dope. okay, you keep some of these experienced guys, but you pair them with mm-hmm. the other guys that want to get into this industry. And so that's, that's what my approach has been. And it, when you're recording, you finish an interview, mm-hmm. you get both sides are saying, man, that really hit home. <laughs> the story is crazy, you know? So I, I, I think, I like to think that I've figured it out. Yeah. I'm still trying to figure it out, obviously. Totally. Um, but I've learned a lot, just like directing is not easy, man. Like mm. You got to have, cross all your T's, dot all your I's, <laughs> and have everything figured out on the back end so that you can sit and just, you know, sit with the talent, sit with the subjects, and, and really find a way to get the best out of them. Mm-hmm. And, you know, for me, I hope that I'm, doing this the rest of my life, you know? Totally. It's kind of crazy to think that any of this work that we're doing will ever end because it doesn't. <laughs> totally. It, it, the the medium might change, but the fundamentals will always will be the same. Facts. <laughs> Facts, you know? So it's been it's been eye-opening, man. And, and you know, uh, shout-out to Story High for just giving mm-hmm. the opportunity to guys like us to be able to come in here and tell our stories because at the end of the day, you know, the question for me was, like, who is telling these stories? And I was listening to... I think it's the No Film School podcast, and they were did an episode, and they were talking about some of the statistics about the screen industries in the U.S. Mm. And you know, eighty five percent of directors white males, eighty five percent of writers white males, eighty mm-hmm. percent of camera crew white males, mm-hmm. right? Producers, ninety two percent white males. So you're, I'm sitting here, and I'm like, man, nine out of ten people working <laughs> in this industry are white males. So mm-hmm. then it's like. We have to come in and we have to take this. We have to take up space. Totally. And that's why this time that we're living in is so crucial because as a black man, to be in those rooms, it's not going to get more blacker than this. A hundred percent. And, and, and the, 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 like, let's be honest, like it's still expensive to like, you know, penetrate this industry, but it's not near, it's, it's now possible where before, I mean, let's be blunt, to do a production like this, we're talking millions. millions. And now, like, you know, you can get away with, like, doing this by, like, shoot, even if you're bootstrapping, you can borrow stuff. You can use your camera phones. You can, like, you know, there's there's a roadmap to get to that position that you can make it affordable to your budget. Absolutely. And this just did not happen before. And to your point, I, I like to always think of it as well as because this space is not dominated by us, that means there's a bigger opportunity Absolutely. for us to participate because once we start to tell our stories, it's fresh. It's no, it's so fresh. A hundred percent because it's going to have a different hit. It's going to hit differently. It's going to look differently. It's going to sound different. It's going to feel differently. And so once we get to start the process of being, hopefully showing up more and getting our own experiences and getting our own reps in, Boy, oh boy, we're going to do some damage. We're going to do some crazy damage, <laughs> man. And, and you know what? I, I always go off of, uh, I feel like Nip was a prophet, man. He said, you know, mm. if you can find a way to add to the art, you can make a lot of dough in this. Mm. Even It's not about the money. It's about just finding ways to be revolutionary. 100%. You know? Because, like, at times, you know, like, let's be, like, like, let's be, like, yes, you need to make the dollars and cents, but like, if that's the if that's the goal, then you'll always be limited. Chasing something, and then as soon as you trigger that, like, it becomes about yes, the art, yes, about the creative, yes, about the journey. Then suddenly, it doesn't matter. Like, so cool. I made fifty million. I made two million. I made one million. It doesn't matter. I'll keep going. I'll keep progressing. Because sometimes I ask myself, like, man. 
I don't know, man. Some of those people who are like in the tens of millions or hundreds of millions. What keeps them going? <laughs> what keeps them going? But it, it's because it's clearly not about the money. It's, it's clearly not. not. It's not. It's about passion, man. And yeah. having passion is a luxury. Mm. What? <laughs> Yo, like repeat on that, like hundred <laughs> percent. It is, man. So you know, Bobby, tell us where we can find you. Let us know where we can uh, get get a taste of your work. Yeah, um, on all platforms, just J-U-S-T Bobby T. So just Bobby T on all platforms. Keep it real simple. Um, on my most active one is Instagram, and that's where I kind of share a lot of things, but you can find me everywhere. Man, I appreciate you coming, man. I think you gave gave us a lot of value, a lot of things to really think about. Some self-reflection. <laughs> <laughs> I hope so, but I just want to say, hey, thank you for um, blessing me, having the chance to be on the stage. I think this is dope. Um, you know, diving deep into conversations, you know, the gift of gab is an amazing space. And so thank you for having me. Appreciate you, brother. <laughs> you guys know what it is. 1K Convo is another one. And just like that, we gone.